Today we're continuing our All I Want for Christmas series where we're taking this time to be able to unpack some of the deepest yearnings and longings that we have that are aligned with our four Advent themes of hope, love, joy and peace. So far we've already talked about those first two themes, recognising that all of us yearn for a sense of hope, a confident expectation about what the future holds and that Jesus comes to bring that hope into our lives. Last week we talked about the theme of love, that all of us crave this sense of what love looks like and particularly unconditional love and that God is love. Not just that God is loving but that God himself is love, the very essence of God is love and therefore everything that God does is always about love, including everything that Jesus has done for us. And today we want to unpack the theme of joy and this deep longing that we have to be able to experience joy, this sense that things are right with the world, even in those moments where maybe sometimes it doesn't feel like that. And so I want to begin by asking you a question. What are some examples of experiencing joy for you? What are some examples of experiencing joy for you? What are some moments where you have experienced joy in your life or some examples of that? I'm going to give you a couple of moments to be able to turn with the people that you're with if you are watching this with other people and share some thoughts. Uh, If you're watching this on your own, please feel free to jot some thoughts down or share some thoughts over there in the chat with us. But what are some experiences that you've had of joy? When I was thinking about what this question looks like this week, uh, for me, one of the first things that came to mind was marrying Ali. There was a huge sense of joy that was and still is attached to that. And it's a helpful distinction to be able to say that's not just about our wedding, which was a moment of happiness, but about all of the expectation leading up to our wedding, all of the expectations about getting married, and then about us entering into our marriage and all of the years that have passed with that. There's a sense of joy that's attached to that. 
I think about having Josh and Rachel. Again, not just the moment of happiness that came from their safe arrival, but the recognition of all of the build-up to that and all of the expectation about their arrival and then adjusting to parenthood and then in the years that have passed, the sense of joy that's attached to them being a part of our lives. Also think about experiences of being a part of really big events or significant events, whether those are camps or retreats that have been a part of putting on or significant leadership training opportunities that have been a part of uh, or just running certain events that have taken a lot of work but have created these amazing opportunities for impact to be able to be experienced. Again, it's not just about the moment of what those events were, but the build-up to it, the sense of expectation about it, and then the reflecting afterwards about, yes, this was a moment where people's lives were impacted. There's a huge sense of joy that comes out of that. I hope that you were able to come up with some moments of joy that you've experienced in your life, or maybe some of those examples trigger some things for you as well. When we think about joy, there are these common themes that generally run through it. Often joy is attached to a connection with other people. Now, for some of us who are more introverted, often our moments of joy that we think about can be about us being on our own, but that's again drifting into moments of happiness. When we think about longer term moments of joy, generally there are other people that are involved in that. It's experiences where we're connected within community or connected with other people, whether that's family or friends. Often joy does come out of a time of challenge, that there is this long build-up to it. There's a lot of energy or effort that's put into things, or it comes out of a moment where we're really going through a difficult time, and as we manage to come out of that or make our way out of it, there's a sense of joy that begins to emerge, that as restoration happens in broken situations or as things start to get resolved, there's a sense of joy that can kick in. And often as we reflect back on the huge challenges that we've gone through, we understand that actually God was with us through all of that and that creates a sense of joy as well. And as we've already unpacked, joy generally lasts longer than just a moment. It's not just about watching a TV show or about eating an ice cream or about sitting and watching a beautiful sunset or anything like that that's just a moment in time. It generally is something that has a longer extended time to it, a build up to it, what actually is happening at the time and then some reflecting or journeying through that afterwards. And so today as we continue to unpack our deepest yearnings, we want to recognise that that sense of joy is something that all of us crave in our lives. All of us want that sense that things are the way that they're supposed to be, that things are right with the world. And today we're going to unpack what one way of understanding the message of Jesus is all about and the way in which that brings a sense of joy into our lives. So hopefully you've got First John chapter 1 opened up in front of you and we're going to have a look at verses 5 to 9. First John chapter 1 starting at verse 5. John writes, This is the message that we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Now, this is really, really fascinating. And I don't know about you, maybe when you read this a few weeks ago when we were doing our reading plan, it might have just caught your attention. I think it's really, really fascinating that Jesus says, this is the message of Jesus. God is light and there is no darkness in him. It's an interesting thing to think through. If we said that's the primary way of articulating what Jesus' message is, what would change for us? I don't know about you, but I've heard plenty of different ways of articulating what Jesus' message is. And I wonder whether there's something really, really helpful here to be able to say, if we talked about the core message of Jesus, 
as being that God is light and there's no darkness in him, is that something that's helpful for people? Does it change the emphasis in certain ways that might be useful, especially for people who don't come from a church background? Uh, There's some things that are useful for us to be able to unpack. If we begin with the message of Jesus is God is light and there's no darkness in him. Now, it does require us doing a little bit of unpacking about what that looks like, as would be true with anything that you want to talk about with the message of Jesus. When we think about light, we think about light helps us to be able to see things accurately. Light helps us to be able to see things the way that they really are. Light also helps us to be able to see the way forward. Light helps us to be able to see, okay, this is where I'm going. This is what's in front of me. And light also pushes back the darkness. Light and darkness can't coexist. It's either light or it's dark. And even when we think about shadows, shadows are the absence of light. Something's blocking the light. So when we talk about this idea that God is light, we're saying that God helps us to be able to see things accurately. God helps us to be able to see the way forward and God pushes back the darkness. Whenever the Bible talks about light, it's generally something that is talked about in the context of action. It's not just a philosophical idea that God is light. It's a very practical nature of saying light is generally attached to the idea of us walking or being able to find the path. One of the key verses that we talk about a lot at Christmas comes from Isaiah chapter 9. Verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. This idea that people were walking with a sense of darkness, but then light has come, which has given them an ability to walk in light. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my to guide my feet and a light for my path. Again, this sense that the light that God wants to bring into us is something that helps us to be able to move forward. It's a light that helps us to see the way in front of us. I was thinking about this during the week in terms of some experiences where I've seen that in action. thinking about on a number of camps that I've been on that we've gone on night hikes. Rachel was on her aquatics camp this week and uh, they went for a night hike. And so as a part of night hikes, there's a couple of ways that, that can play out. Sometimes you go for a night hike and you don't have a torch and there's no moonlight and it's really, really dark. And especially if you're out somewhere in the country and uh, somewhere you've never been before, it can be a pretty scary experience. You don't know what's going on around you. You don't know where you are and you can't see the way forward. But the minute that you flick a torch on, Or if the moon comes out and shines brightly, suddenly you can see things. You can see things accurately and you can see the way forward as the darkness is pushed back. I was also thinking about this in terms of walking into a dark room. I'm sure all of us have had this experience where you walk into a room that is incredibly familiar to you, whether that's your lounge room or your bedroom, but the light's not on. And what do you do? Bang! Hit your knee up against the coffee table, hit your knee up against the side of the bed, Like, seriously, I know that that's there, but I can't see things accurately. I can't see the way forward. Turn a light on, all of a sudden, all of those things are there, and we can manage to see things the way that they are and see the way forward. So John helps us to understand the importance of this amazing idea that God is light and there's no darkness in him and the implications of that. In verse 6, John writes, So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. 
John says, if this is the message of Jesus, that God is light and there is no darkness in him, then we can't say that we're living in a relationship with God and continue to live in darkness. Now, again, it's very practical in terms of the wording that's used here. In different translations, we'll talk about us living in the light or walking in the light as opposed to living in darkness or walking in the darkness. It's this sense that if we're in a relationship with God, again, not just something that's intellectual, but we're actually in a relationship, a connection with God, journeying together, then we have to make a choice. We either are walking in the light with God or we're walking away from that because light and darkness can't coexist. And even more than that, we understand that Jesus is like our companion on the road. Again, Jesus doesn't just kind of shine a light over there and hope we can work it out or give us some kind of internal light inside of us and hope that we can find the way. Jesus is our companion walking with us on the light, with the torch shining the way forward, being able to say, watch out for that, look, see that clearly. This is where we're going. But John also says that we're in a relationship with each other as well and that we have the privilege of being able to share light with one another, that we're not alone in this. We have the opportunity to help each other to see things accurately. We have the opportunity to help each other to see the way forward. We have the opportunity to help each other push the darkness back and to be able to expose the darkness that we experience in our lives. So John says, are we walking in the light? Are we living by the light? Are we seeing things the way that they actually are? Are we seeing clearly the direction that we're supposed to head into? Are we avoiding things that we could trip over? Are we not, avo- are we not imagining things that aren't there? Are we walking and living in the light or are we walking and living in the darkness? Now, part of what John then unpacks is that walking in the light with God, in a relationship with God, means allowing God to shine a light into us as well. Not just the way forward and everything external, but allowing God to shine that light inside of us too, so that we can see ourselves accurately and we can see what's really going on inside for us too. And so that's why John says, if we claim that we have no sin, then we're fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. And John actually often interchanges the word truth and light in different contexts. So we're not living in the light, we're not living in the truth. Now, we have talked before about sin. Uh, The meaning of the word sin in its original context was missing the mark. It was used in the context of archery, where you're aiming for a bullseye. And if you miss the bullseye, that was sin, missing the mark. And the bullseye that we aim for is to love perfectly 100% of the time. And the opposite of that is selfishness, that we either choose to love with an others-centered mindset all of the time, or we choose to focus on ourselves and we choose selfishness. And that's why I think it's helpful to talk about sin. The root of most sins is selfishness. And so what John's saying here is if we claim that we have no selfishness in us, then we're fooling ourselves and we're not living in the truth. We're not living in the light. And I think that's helpful because most of us would acknowledge that. I know I certainly would. There's no chance that on any given day that I can say, I am living without selfishness. It's something that's a part of our lives. So John challenges us to say, well, if that's true, that there is sin, selfishness inside of us, are we willing to allow God to shine his light onto those things, to allow God to shine his light into the dark places that are in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds, in our motives, in our thoughts? 
Are we able to acknowledge the things that God exposes with as he brings the light into those dark places? Allow God to bring those things to our attention. Now, that can make us feel a little bit uncomfortable because we kind of, oh, I don't know if I really want to go on that journey. I don't know if I really want to get in touch with some of those dark places that are inside of me. But John helps us to understand that we do this in confidence because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. That because of what Jesus has done for us, we can with confidence move forward into this knowing that God has already dealt with those dark things that are inside of us. He puts it this way in verse 9. If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. What John's saying is that when that darkness is exposed inside of us, we have the opportunity to allow God to do something about it, knowing that that's what his desire is for us, that he doesn't want us to live in darkness. God is a God of light and he wants to shine light into every area of our life. So we know that there is selfishness inside of us. We know that there are dark places inside of us. And we know that if the light shines on that, on that, then that's going to make us feel uncomfortable because we will recognise, ugh, that's not the way that things are supposed to be. And sometimes we'd maybe prefer to keep the light off. That's kind of what John's trying to push into here to say, if we want to pretend that that's not true, we're only fooling ourselves. It's kind of like when you do cleaning. You can try and clean with the lights off or in a semi-sense of darkness, but it's kind of hard to see the dirt that's there. It's hard to see the dust if you're doing some dusting or to see the dirt that's on the dishes or to see the stuff that's on the carpet before you vacuum. minute you turn the light on, boom, there it all is. And so all of a sudden you can see very, very clearly what needs to be cleaned, the dirt that needs to be removed. So John says we should go on that journey to allow the light to shine on there so that we can see what needs to be cleaned, what needs to be cleansed in our life. But he says we can do this with a sense of confidence because if, and in actual fact it's probably more accurate to say when, this isn't a conditional statement, if we choose to confess our sins then God will forgive us, which implies that if we don't God won't forgive us. It's more a confident reality to be able to say when we choose to forgive our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us. Now, there's a lot of church language that's a part of that. So let's unpack some of those key words. The word, word confess really means to agree with. That's what that word really means in its original context. To confess is to agree with. And so when we confess our sin, what we're saying is that we agree with God about the selfishness that's inside of us. We're simply saying, yes, God, you're right. This thing that you know about me, I acknowledge is true. That's what confession looks like. And when we choose to confess, then we know that God will forgive us. And forgiveness is all about leaving something behind, abandoning something, putting it off to the side and walking away from it. So John's saying the message of Jesus is this, that God is light and there is no darkness in him. So bring yourself out into the light. Be real and honest about who you are, including the places of your life where you know that light isn't there, where things are dark, and allow God to shine a light on that. Accept that you are loved as you are, with all of the light and darkness, with all of the things that are great and all of the brokenness that's a part of your life. And in freedom, confess 
agree with God about those things that you know aren't right, the things that are darkness in your life, and receive his forgiveness. Abandon those things. Leave those things behind. And in doing so, receive cleansing, receive healing, and an ability to be able to move forward. So we come back then to the theme of Advent joy. Why has all of this got anything to do with joy? Well, I hope it's pretty clear by now. (laughs) Why isn't it about joy? If we take these things seriously, if we believe what John is saying here, how can that not produce an amazing sense of joy in us? A confident expectation that everything's going to be okay and that everything is right with the world, that God is in control, even in those moments where it doesn't feel like that's true. Jesus has come as the light of the world, the one who comes to expose the darkness, to help us to see things clearly, to help us to be able to see the way forward. Some of that means that we allow ourselves to see ourselves accurately too, to see the darkness that lurks inside of us and to allow God to come and deal with that darkness. Regardless of what we've been through, regardless of what we're going through, The arrival of Jesus turns on the lights for us, helps us to be able to see things clearly, to see things accurately and to see the path forward. And as the dark things in our lives are brought out into the light, we can simply agree with God about those things, receive his forgiveness and push them aside and then be able to move forward in freedom and in wholeness, directed by God's light allowing him to say, here's the path for you to be able to walk. How is that not a message of joy? How is that not good news of great joy, which is what we're told that Jesus' arrival will bring? The saviour, the rescuer, the one who's going to set things right, has entered into our human existence to be able to bring the light into the world so that we can see things the way that they actually are. We can see the way forward in the darkness can be pushed back. I want to give you an opportunity to think about what that means for you. How does the light of Jesus bring joy into my life this Christmas? How does the light of Jesus bring joy into my life this Christmas? On the basis of what we've talked about, how does that bring a sense of joy into my life? For some of us, it might be about just working through. What does it mean for me to accept that God is light and all the implications that come from that, about being able to see things accurately, that that's God's heart for me, about being able to see the path forward, that that's God's heart for me, about pushing the darkness back, that that's what God wants to do. For some of us, it might be about having the courage to say, I need to allow God to shine his light inside of me. I know that there is darkness that's dwelling in me. I know that sometimes I can pretend that there's no selfishness inside of me, but if I'm honest with myself, I know that it's there. And to be able to courageously say, God, help me to see things accurately. Shine a light on the dark places that are in my life. For some of us, it's about rethinking what confession and forgiveness looks like. That if confession is simply about agreeing with God about what he already knows is true, and if forgiveness is about leaving those things behind, what does it look like for us on a regular basis to be confessing our sins, agreeing with God about the things that are selfish in our lives, and leaving them behind so that we can move forward in freedom. 
for some of us, it might be about this idea of being able to say, if this is the core of the message that Jesus brings, how does that shape the way that I talk about Jesus' message with the people that I interact with, especially heading towards Christmas? Are there opportunities to talk with family, with friends, with workmates, with people that I'll connect with, with neighbours, about what the message of Jesus is, that God is light and there's no darkness in him? So take a couple of minutes to be able to think about what that looks like for you. If you're with some other people, share some thoughts with each other. Uh, If you're on your own, jot some thoughts down, share some thoughts in the chat, and then we'll come back together and we'll share in communion. hope that that's been a helpful time of being able to reflect on what this message of light looks like and the ways in which that brings joy into our lives. We're going to wrap up our time by sharing in communion together. So hopefully you've got some bread or crackers and some juice or wine there uh, ready to go. And when we participate in communion, we often use it as an opportunity to be able to reflect on Jesus' sacrifice, which is a completely appropriate thing to do. And because of that, it can often be quite a somber time as we reflect on just how significant that sacrifice is for us. But communion is also supposed to be a feast of joy, where we don't just recognise what Jesus did, but we recognise the implications of what Jesus has done for us. And so today in particular, the opportunity to take communion is an opportunity for us to express our joy and to say thank you, Jesus, for coming as the light of the world, for coming as the one who brings the ability for us to see things clearly and to see the way forward. Thank you for coming as the one who comes to push the darkness back. Thank you for the reality that we are now forgiven, that we have been cleansed, that we have been washed clean and we can move forward in freedom. Thank you for all that you have done for us and what that means in terms of the way that we can live our lives. The bread or the crackers that you've got remind us that Jesus' body was given for us, that Jesus came to live a human life and to be able to show us what living life, the way that God created us to live, actually looks like to be able to share these things with us. But also Jesus comes 
to give himself fully to the mission that God had for him. The juice or the wine that we share is a reminder of the blood that was shed for us. And again, this is about remembering Jesus' sacrifice, but it's also about reminding ourselves that Jesus shed his life force for us. That a sacrifice is all about blood being poured out and that sense of someone or something giving its life in service of others. And so we remember that Jesus' life was poured out for us. But as we take the bread and as we drink the juice, there's something symbolic that we can do in that to say, Jesus, I want more of you in my life. I want your life to fuel my life. I want to embrace what your sacrifice has done for me but I also want with a sense of joy and sense of anticipation to look forward to what you've got for me. So I want to encourage you to take a few moments uh, to be able to reflect and then when you're ready, eat the bread or eat the crackers, drink the juice, drink the wine, take some time to be able to reflect, to embrace, to recognise all that's been done, but do it with a sense of joy and we'll come back and wrap things up. take some time to be able to pray as we bring things to a close. Jesus, we thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you that you come as the light of the world, the one who comes to help us to see things the way that they are and the way that they were always supposed to be. The one who shows us the way forward, how to live life the way that we were created to live, but also how to move forward in our own lives. And thank you most of all that you come to push back the darkness to bring an experience of light into our lives. We ask that as we continue to unpack what all of the implications are of that, that you would bring a sense of joy into our lives, 
to remind us that you have come to set things right once and for all. And so now we can live with a confident expectation that God is in control, that God knows what's going on and that God wants to allow us to experience freedom from all of the stuff that holds us back from that. We pray that as we head into this week, that you would continue to help us to wrestle with those areas of darkness that are in our lives. We pray that you would take, help us to take some time to be able to spend time with you, to spend time in confession, agreeing with you about those things that aren't the way that they're supposed to be in our lives and to experience your forgiveness, to experience your release and setting free from those things so that we can move forward with a sense of purpose and with a sense of clarity into the light that you've got for us. Help us to be people of light and to share your light with those that we connect with as we head into this week. In your name we pray. Amen.